Thank you so much for being here. I'm so thankful you're here this morning. Uh, we're in the, the book of Revelation. We're in the third chapter. We're finishing the seventh of uh, the seventh churches. We're looking at the church of Laodicea. And what we're going to do is take an introspective look. We're going to take a look at, uh, well, if the shoe would fit, then we would wear it. It was a, a time that we need to just be uh, introspective of who we are. As a matter of fact, uh, it was Anthony's idea that we, we brought the cross up front, kind of light it, so that this would be our, uh, our kind of our, our focal point for this service. As a matter of fact, Anthony found this song and listened to the, the 18th verse in, in Revelation chapter 3, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve so to anoint your eyes so that you may see, Lord, light our fire again. Uh, I want to I say thank you to all the, the people in the armed forces, uh, the military that, that so amazingly cares for us, country of ours. Uh, for those of you who are in the armed forces, uh, whether you're in the Army, the Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, the Marines, we want to thank you uh, for helping protect us, protecting to give us the freedoms that we experience in this country in which we live. And, and so uh, if it isn't embarrassing to you, if you cur currently are serving, if you have a loved one that has served in the military, if you have served in the military at one point or another, if it doesn't embarrass you, would you mind standing so that we can say thank you to you, please? <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. Thank you so much, every one of you. Thanks. Thanks, every single one of you. Thank you so much. I thank you so much for just all that you mean to this country. And, and uh, um, I, I would also like to say, um, I, I don't know how to say it other than I will just say it, I've never been so ashamed of the United States of America than I am this past week. Um, what we have done to Israel is a shame. It is a crying shame what, what um, our nation has done by to, uh, taking back the borders away from them. It would be like someone coming in and, well, they're going to try and do that, I think, eventually, and take away our borders or, or just, I don't know, I don't want to get political, except that I want you to pray. I want us to pray for Israel. I want us to pray that God will watch over that great, great nation, that they will care for them. Um, and it's interesting that we would be studying in the book of Revelation, that we would be taking a look at all of these events that are going to take place before the coming of our Lord. Who knows when he'll come back? I, I, I was hoping yesterday at 6 o'clock we'd all just... Uh, <laughs> in fact, I, I told Anthony when he started the service, he might make it just a short song, Anthony. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the foolishness of preachers, the absolute foolishness of, of, of those of us that say we can... We can tell what God's going to do. You know, the best we can do is study the Word of God. And the best we can do is just listen to what He has to say. And when He says nobody knows but the Father, He means nobody knows but the Father. He's not just saying there's a few, but the do know. And, and, uh, and it's shameful for those that follow. That's, follow people like that. Please don't ever do that here. For me, for sure. I want us to open up our Bibles. I want us to be like the Bereans. I want us to see what I have to say. Open up your Bibles and examine the Scriptures for yourself to see if the things that are being said are so or not so that you can have a, a real judgment in your own heart of what you want to believe and, and where you want to take your faith 
And, and, and I believe today, after the service, what we will be talking about will be a time for you to, to consider what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and consider who you are and, and, and where, where your passion lies within your faith. Um, we are, um, it's, the song said, don't, don't let our love grow cold because I'm calling out to light the fire again. Well, we come across the church in Laodicea, if you would turn with me to chapter 3 of the book of Revelation in the 14th verse. We've come to a church that um, is lukewarm at best. What that means is they are, they are indifferent to the things of God. And as Jesus says, as he said to every single church, now this is the seventh church, and to every church he says, I know your deeds. In other words, he knows exactly what we're doing. There's, make no pretense about it. God knows where you are going, what you're doing, what you're saying, all of those things. He knows our deeds. And with that being said to the church in Laodicea, he chooses not to bless them, but rather he says, because you are lukewarm, because you are indifferent to the things of God, I will spit you out of my mouth. You just don't want to hear that. As a church, we don't want to hear that. As a person, you don't want to hear that. And so I'm going to preach against that indifference that is kind of permeated this country in which we live. And, and I, I understand that I might be preaching to the choir right now. By that, I mean I, that for most of us, we come here and we know what we come. And we come for a specific reason. That is, we've come to hear what's in here, not to hear uh, what 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 my heart might be, but rather as best I know how to find the heart of our God so as to preach the heart of our God. And so I understand that, but, but still in, in, in all, we need to follow what Scripture is saying to us. And because this church in Laodicea had grown lukewarm, indifferent towards the love of God, verse 17 tells them, look, the Lord says, I know, you, you think you are rich, you think you're wealthy. You, you think you are in need of nothing. And so they had become a church that thought they had no need for God. They had become lukewarm, as he says, self-sufficient within their own selves. I don't ever want you or me to be like this. Let's read and see. Remember we introduced this book, or excuse me, this particular church, verse 14 last week, and we talked about who the the title of our Lord is in this particular church. He says, I am the Amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the one who is the beginning of the creation. And we, we taught about that last week. And here's what he says. Let's listen to it. Read with me verses 14 to verse 22. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ comes down and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, he says, write the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you might clothe yourself, so that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. 
Be zealous, therefore. Repent. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. Verse 21, To the one who overcomes, I will grant to them to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he closes as he does with every church. To the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, as we've seen on all seven churches, it is plural, churches. We are to see what he says to each church and incorporate those things that we ought to be doing into our lives and to the things that we're not to be doing to move them away. And in this case, it's all about indifference. It's all about being lukewarm. For the life of me, before I pray with you, I cannot for the life of me understand how you and I, how churches, how people who say they are quote-unquote Christians, how they can be lukewarm about their faith. How? When you think about what has done for you on the cross, when you think of what he did, when he went to the cross and allowed himself to be nailed upon the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin, and has given us everlasting eternal life, has asked us to come and worship him so that he might bless us and we become indifferent to the things of God. We become indifferent to church and, and, and to the, the passion that ought to be running through us all the days long as we think about who he is and how much he means to us. And so I want to preach to that this morning only because it's in the word of God. And so will you please pray with me and, and then we'll have some time together. Lord, please open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Lord, please move us away from the indifference of this world that churches and people, believers, some who claim to be believers who are just indifferent. They're lukewarm at best. Father, may we be hot, on fire, Loving you with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength, everything that's within us. Father, move me aside, I beg of you, so that we might really see and hear from your heart and, and see what you have to say to us, that we might become the people that you've called us to become. Why else do we live? What other reason is there for life? I have not found one. And so, Lord, bless us, please. And, and in some way, Father, may we bless you. And I, I don't even know exactly what that means, except that, Father, we want to worship you and we want to exalt your Son's name. And so, Father, please, if it be possible, allow us to bless you with this service, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There are three temperatures that are mentioned in, in this section. You, you, you caught it with me. There's hot, there's cold, and there's lukewarm. Now, some would say that these three temperatures refer to spiritual stages within a person's life. Hot, of course, being a believer. Lukewarm, they would say, is a carnal Christian. Someone who's you know, not really hitting on all cylinders in their faith. And, and then a cold would be an unbeliever. Well, I don't think that's this case at all. At all. I believe the, the lurk, lukewarm person is the one we are centered in here in this passage, and it is the person who says, I am a Christian, 
but they only say it in word. It's, it's not seen in their deeds. It's, it's not seen in their actions. It's not seen in their obedience. You see, the strong words from Jesus Christ, when he says, I will spit, or vomit you out of my mouth, in the Greek language, those words are, are, are way too strong for us to miss. It speaks of rejection. It verifies and agrees with the words of Jesus in verse 20, when he says, Behold, I stand at the door of, of your life, and I knock. And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in with you and dine with you and, and you with me. No, I do not believe that these lukewarm people here in Lady Odyssea are Christians, nor any lukewarm person on this earth. Scripture is clear about salvation. It, 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 doesn't, it isn't some mystical thing that you can wonder, am I a believer or am I not? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, you can know. You are either a Christian or you are not. Dr. McGee says it best. You're a saint or what? You ain't. It's, that's, his, that's so basic to what Scripture teaches us. It agrees with what our Lord says. I, I wish you were either cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Lukewarm seems to be that person who thinks within their hearts, I'm a believer. Either I was born in the United States of America, or my family are Christians, or I go to a church. I have morals. I do good things. You should see what I do compared to my brother. He's terrible. You know, some of that stuff. I don't have a brother. I just made that up. And yet that person remains disobedient and indifferent or lukewarm to the things of God. I don't want us to be that way. We don't have to be. Jesus simply says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So don't deceive yourself. Don't let any of us deceive ourselves. If we call ourselves a believer in Jesus Christ, if we call ourselves a Christian, we will sooner or later ultimately desire to walk with Jesus Christ passionately. Passion will not be one of our problems. In fact, it's one of the greatest compliments I've received as a pastor, and that is people will come to me and say, you know, you're getting older, but you've not lost your passion. And boy, do I thank God that they would say that to me. So what I'd like to do is give you a pop quiz. <laughs> I hated tests. Hated them. But I want to give you a test because it's in the Scriptures. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians? It's to the left, of course. And second, there's a 1 Corinthians, there's a 2 Corinthians. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's see what, what our Lord says about what is a Christian. <clears throat> How do you know for certain? In fact, he even says, why don't you test your own self? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, test yourself. See if you are in the faith. Examine yourself, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Well, which is it? In your own heart. Is Jesus in your life, or is he not? Only you can truly examine yourself here. Only you truly know. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart, for the forgiveness of your sin. 
You'll note the question in 2 Corinthians 13.5 isn't how good are you? Not even mentioned. Because the Bible tells us that none of us are good. None of us. No, not one. So it's not how good are you. It's not how often do you go to church either. It's not where do you church or what denomination are you. Denomination's not a part of it. It's not how much money do you give. No, the test is quite simple. It is, is Jesus Christ in you or is he not? Now, if you're still in 2 Corinthians, please turn now to verse chapter 5. You're in chapter 13. Move back to chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because if Jesus Christ is in you, then you therefore are to become a new creature. And that happens, I believe, by God's grace. I, I can only experience my own life, and I can share it with you as best I know how. But I came to believe in Jesus Christ in, in March of 1973. March 73. And, and I asked Him into my heart, and I, my life changed. My life changed. I didn't know the book of Revelation from the book of Genesis. But my life began to change and it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, they have become a what? A new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Please listen. Don't let anyone ever preach to, to you that all you need to do to become a believer in Jesus Christ is to walk an aisle, kneel before a cross, and do this or do that, and you become a Christian. Now personally, I am, I am honored that I had the privilege of walking forward. But let me tell you, it was completely reluctant. I, I did not want to do it. I had... I had met with this guy. He had told me about what it means to be a Christian. I went to him, and I went to listen to a speaker speak in Honolulu. 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 <laughs> at Honolulu. And, and it, was at a, 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 it was at a retreat. I have no idea where it was. I don't remember anything, but I've just remembered his name uh, last night. His name was Pete Gilquist. Now, I'm going to go Google him. Remember that name for me, Kate so that I can Google, see if he's alive, see if he's still walking with the Lord. But he was a wonderful speaker. Anyways, I go to this, this meeting that he's having, and it's pretty crowded, and I'm sitting in the back right about where Fred and, and Josh are. I, I always had the back row. Well, I wanted it near the door in case I had to leave. But when I got in there, the guy that was telling me about Jesus Christ came to me, and he said, how are you doing? I said, hey, I, uh, I accepted the Lord yesterday or whatever day it was. All of this is real vague to me. I don't remember it all clearly. He said, he got excited. You accepted the Lord. Oh, way to go. And he kind of gave me a big old hug. And I, I said, shush, shush. Don't tell anybody. I said, I, I want to make sure about this. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it all. Okay. So Pete Gilquist starts to speak. And Pete says, we've got a brand new brother in here. Now, I don't know what that even means. He says, would, love, would you love to hear his testimony? I'm thinking, sure. But I have no idea what a testimony means. And so I'm looking, I want to see who this guy is that's going to come forward. And he says, John, John Warhouse, come, plays with the Islanders. You all know him. Come forward. 
Oh, I, was, I, could have, I could have slivered underneath the chairs. I was so embarrassed. This guy embarrassed me in front of all those people. It was terrible. And he wouldn't stop. He said, no, come on. I would, everything went blurry. I don't know what happened. I would love to have seen a video of it. Honestly, I would just give anything. But I came forward and seated right about where you were. Was this beautiful elderly woman. And, and she just kept looking at me. She had the most beautiful eyes, much like yours. And she kept nodding and looking at me. And that's all I could remember. I don't know what I said. I don't know what happened. Because I had no idea what a test. I didn't know the book of Genesis from the book of Revelation. I didn't know what a testimony meant. I just knew that I came to Christ. I tell you that story because reluctantly, I'm, I am so thankful that, that, that the Lord made that happen in my life. It kind of put a, 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 a marker in the ground that I am really, truly a believer. I have truly given my heart to Christ. I have confessed that before people. And by the grace of God, I had become, at that point in time, a new creature. Old things started to pass away. New things had come. And so don't let anyone ever tell you you have to walk an aisle. No, no, the decision that you make for Jesus Christ is not made with your feet. It's made with your what? It's your heart. Dr. Ken Edwards taught Third Friday such a great lesson talking about um, when Samuel came to anoint the king and, 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 and he said to the elder son, he said, no, the Lord does not look at the outward appearance of man. The Lord looks at his heart. And that's what he sees within you and me. He sees our hearts. And so when you make a decision with your heart, then Jesus makes you a new creature. Old things will pass away. New things will start to happen in your life. And you'll begin that wonderful, wonderful journey of walking in obedience with Jesus Christ and His Word. You see, the person's obedience to Christ is their sign of walking hot. Hot with Him. Not lukewarm, nor cold. May I get personal with you? That's why it grieves me. I didn't even wait for you to nod. It grieves me. It, it grieves me to be a part of a church that begs, that has to beg for help, people to help serve. Listen, we have enough people in our congregation that we never should ever have to have, ask for help. There's enough of you that that have been gifted by God to do everything that is needed here in this church to make it function smoothly. We ought not to beg for help. We ought not to ever have to beg for money. We ought not to have to beg to, to hopefully build this place out so that we can make it what, what God wants it to be in this community. We ought not ever have to beg for you to become involved in our church. We should never have to beg for the congregation to show up on time. Now, I wrote down in my notes here, it'd be like a, a father who has this beautiful, precious daughter, and this guy is dating her, you know. And so he's going to pick her up at 7 o'clock, and the dad's sitting with his daughter, and she's all dressed up and ready to go, and it's 7, 7.15, and all of a sudden it becomes 7.30, and quarter to 8, 8. 5, 8, 10, 8, 15, and finally there's a knock on the door. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. Oh, well, I don't like that. 
But that happens again and again. Let me tell you, it's not going to happen the second time with my daughter. Second time he comes late is when I come to the door and not her. And say, so if you don't think enough about my daughter to be here on time, then hit the road, Jack. <laughs> and I think about, about us showing up to church. I've been pastoring a church since 1986. I want you to guess how many times you think I've been late in all those years to all the services I've ever done. Guess how many times I've been late? Zero. I've never been late. Now, I have missed a wedding. I, I, my wife and I, we were, gonna, we were on vacation, semi-vacation. We were just kind of here in Yorvalinda and vacation. And, and our daughter was at a summer camp. And I said to her, let's go pick up Cassie and, and let's just surprise her. She won't have to come home in the big old air, non-air conditioning bus. We'll pick her up. We'll go out for a bite to eat, give her some really great food. And we'll hear all about the camp and everything. And so we went. We had the time of our life. It was well, way before cell phones. And when I got home... Uh, the answer phone was blinking, and it said, you missed a wedding. Oh, man, I was miserable. I missed the wedding. I had a great time with my daughter and my wife, but I missed the wedding. I, I have, my, my slate isn't clean. I, I've missed that. But I've never come to church late. It's, it's um, look at, I'm already looking forward to being with you next time. I'm, always, I'm already excited about listening to Anthony and the, and the group. I'm already excited about what is going to happen next week. What are we going to do? What is God going to do? And how are we going to be a, a part of each other's life? And how can we exalt the Lord together? Now wait, watch and see. I'm going to be late. But I pray I'm not. Listen, when Jesus Christ becomes real to you, your walk in obedience with him, when you desire, your desires will be to help, to give, to grow in your faith. The thought of getting to church, the thought of seeing and being with one another, and especially with Jesus Christ in this atmosphere, ought to be the primary thought that runs through our heart Monday through the next Sunday. Forward, looking forward to coming and being with our Lord. You know, in reality, instead of begging, we ought to be saying, enough, stop, stop, you guys. We, we have enough help. We really do have enough money. We, we have enough whatever, whatever we need, but let's continue to, to give and to do things so that we can help others. Let's do this or let's do that instead of always begging for more and keeping our, you know, just our noses above the water. There is absolutely no reason for that. Let's take a look and see how off-base Laodicea is. Look in verse 17. They thought we're rich. They thought we're wealthy. They thought we, have a, we don't have a need for anything. That, to, that, folks, is a true statement concerning many churches and many believers, so-called believers in Jesus Christ today, thinking, well, I don't need to grow I don't need to give. I'm, I'm already saved. I don't need to serve. I mean, I don't have the time. It's, it's a busy lifestyle we have here in Southern California. I'm fine just the way I am. I'll show up once in a while and, and what? Do God a favor? Do you think that we're blessing God by being here? No, He wants to bless us. We've got no, for the most part, churches have it all wrong. 
We think that we come here and, and, and we're to, to bless our God when in fact we gather together to exalt His name so that He might bless us. So they became confident in themselves, Laodicea did, and they, they said, we don't have a need for anything. God forbid that that would ever be us. God forbid that we would ever even think that way. And so Jesus lets us and them know their true condition without Him. He says in, in verse 17 at the end, you think you're rich, you think you're wealthy, you don't think you need anything, let me tell you what you are, He says. You are, he says, wretched. You're miserable. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Let me ask you, do these traits sound or make you believe that these lukewarm people in Laodicea, Laodicea are believers? I don't think so. They claim to be. But their attitudes, their habits... Their deeds say differently when seen through the eyes of Jesus Christ. So examine yourself, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? And if He's in you, then what should that mean to you passion-wise? How should you react? How should you live your life? And so Jesus Christ says in verses 18 and 19, I advise you to do three things. Let's them know that they have a spiritual need that only can be accomplished through Jesus Christ. He says, number one, I want you to buy from me gold that has been refined by fire. He says, I also want you to clothe yourself, your nakedness, with these white garments, and I want you to put some eye salve on your eyes so that you can see. Now, how do we buy from God? Well, there's a... Hold your place here. Turn back to the Old Testament. Right in the middle is the book of Psalms. When you get to the book of Psalms, turn to the right to the book Isaiah. Isaiah is a pretty good-sized book. You, you probably won't miss it. Um, if you go to the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms, turn to the right as if you're going to the New Testament. And you'll come very shortly to the book of Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, please, with me. Great, 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 great place in Scripture. It's it's a, a lot about what we center ourselves upon as a church. It starts out by saying, Ho, in other words, listen, everyone who thirsts, chapter, chapter 55, verse 1, everyone who thirsts, the Lord says, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Wait a minute, I have no money? Want us to buy and eat? Come, he says, buy wine, buy milk, without money, without costs. Then he asks this question, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And why are your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. I love that word there. Incline your ear. Come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Jump down to verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous person their thoughts. Let, let them return to the Lord and he will have compassion on you. And he will abundantly pardon. Verses 8 and 9, great verses in Scripture. My thoughts, the Lord says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He says, as far as, as far as 
the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then verse 11 is what we center our church upon. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. That's why, folks, we study the word of God and we preach the word of God line upon line. We want God to speak to your hearts and our hearts, my heart. I want Him to speak. Why? So that it will not return empty. My words which go forth from my mouth will not return empty without accomplishing what He, God, desires and without succeeding in the manner for which He sent it. That's why we preach the Word of God. That's why the Word of God ought to be preached so that He might minister to your heart, so that He'll speak to you in such a fashion that you can't help but hear Him and that He'll move you move you to, I pray, passion. It also says in the book of Revelation, if we turn back there, please, in chapters 21 and 22, you don't need to turn there, but he says, buy, buy without money. You see, we buy from Jesus Christ without money, and we buy from Jesus Christ without cost, because we cannot afford what he wishes to give to us. The price tag was his son, his son's life upon the cross. And how much did that cost? I'll tell you what, more than you and I could ever afford. We can't pay for it. And so from God we can buy without cost. He says in verse 18, we are to buy gold that is refined by fire. Because no matter how much money you or I might have, we are really dirt poor before God. And without Christ... We are nothing. So we need gold that has been refined by fire. In other words, to purify our faith. We also, it says in verse 18, need white garments. Because it says we're naked without Christ. White garments gives everyone who will come to Him salvation. And salvation that is only found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Look at across the page in Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 5. It says, The one who overcomes, he shall be clothed in white garments. Now, turn the page to chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. We've read this, these two verses before over and over again. Let's read them again. John had an elder come to him when he was in heaven itself. And, he, and the elder asks him, These people who are clothed in white, who are they? Where have they come from? And John says, I don't know. You do. Tell me. So the elder says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and they have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. We need white garments washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we also need ISAB so that we may see. We are blind without the Holy Spirit of God leading us. When the Holy Spirit of God gives us insight, we finally see the truth of the Word of God and we see our sin before an almighty, completely righteous God who will give us His righteousness. And so we are to buy from Him gold that is refined by fire. We are to clothe our nakedness with these white garments that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we are to put on eye salve so that we might have sight and then Jesus says in verse 19 of Revelation chapter 3, Whom he loves, he will reprove, and he will discipline. Now Hebrews chapter 12 
says this in verse 6, Whom the Lord loves, He will discipline, and He will scourge every son whom He receives. And it says in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 12, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. That I can say amen to. I get that. Yet it says to those who have been trained by it, trained by this being reproved and disciplined, afterwards it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in your life and in my life. You see, it's the Lord's love for you and me that causes Him to reprove and discipline us. It's much like a parent would their own child. You see, God's love for you is clear, just as His love for me. He will not allow us to sit here comfortably week in and week out and not grow in our faith in Him. And and He will not allow us to remain indifferent or lukewarm to the things of God, not when we hear the Word of God. No, He desires to use you and me here on this earth right now. And to use you means that you and I have to get up. We have to move our hearts to begin to serve the Lord our God to give unto His work, to grow and become involved in our faith here in our church. And so he says in verse 19, be zealous and repent. The word zealous is the opposite to indifference. In other words, be hot. Don't be lukewarm. And to repent is to change your heart. If you are lukewarm, then repent. And repent means to radically change. It, it means to become a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away. New things have come. Your faith and my faith, this church faith is based upon a people who don't say, well, sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. That's not the way it is. To the best of our ability, it means that we want to radically change our lives, to walk with Jesus Christ immediately and daily and passionately. Look at Paul's reaction. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he went to a street called Straight, and the Lord sent Zacchaeus or Zacharias? One of the guys. We called him back then Z. (laughs) You didn't get that. Anyways, when he went to see Paul, it says Paul immediately, immediately became to proclaim the very Word of God, that Jesus Christ was God Almighty. So Jesus is essentially saying to us in verse 20, I am willing, are you? He says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in with you and dine with you And you with me, he says. He says, I'm standing. I'm waiting at the door of your life. I'm knocking, so to speak. Will you open the door? Will you allow him to come into your heart so you may receive eternal salvation and dine with him forever? If so, he says in verse 21, he promises that you will sit down with him on his throne forever. The idea is that we will rule and reign with him forever and ever in the place called heaven. So if you hear our Lord's words, listen and keep them. Can you hear what Jesus is saying to you? If so, then he asks you to repent. Change your life so that you may walk in obedience to him. If you are lukewarm, to 
to get off of your indifferences to the things of God and walk with Him passionately day by day. Then He says, if you do, you'll, you'll, you'll come with Me, He says, and, and you'll reign with Me forever and ever in heaven. And, and with that, at the close of this particular place in Scripture, we talk about these churches. John then, it says in chapter 4, after these things, in other words, after John has explained to us who is Jesus Christ in chapter 1, this glorious, magnificent one, whom John knew personally, but when John saw him in his, in his glorified state, he fell at his feet as if a dead person. And once we saw him in chapter 1, and then we saw about the churches that he explains in chapters 2 and 3, then John says in chapter 4, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door is standing open in heaven. And so we will begin this wonderful, wonderful journey. In the weeks to come, we'll take a look at God's heaven. And we'll see the events that are going to take place in this world. And we'll do it the best we know how. Uh, it's a lot of symbolism. And I, I, I must confess to you up front, I don't know all. that. We'll, I'm going to study right alongside of you and try to find out what is our Lord saying about this time. And you, you just won't want to miss any of it. But I stopped a little early on purpose. Because I'm, I'm going to ask you to consider the cross. I'm going to ask you to consider your life. I, I want to ask you to examine yourself, test yourself to see if you are of the faith, if Jesus Christ is in you. There's absolutely no reason on this good earth for you to think that you're maybe a believer I mean, I could wake you up in the middle of the night and say, are you married? And you'd say, yeah, of course. And I can ask some people in the, in the middle of the day, clear, clearly thinking, are you a believer? And they say, ah, I think I am. And I don't know. You know, it's not that mystical, folks. It isn't. You, you ought to know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and believe in your heart. So what I would like to do is give you an opportunity to give your heart to Christ. For those of us who know we are believers, maybe like me, there's things in your life that you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of. I mean, you don't have to ask Kay, but she'd probably not tell you, but living with me is really the pits. It's hard. I'm moody. Um... And I'm asking the Lord to kind of try to take this, not try, but take this away from me. So I'm going to be up here praying. You're welcome to join me. You're welcome to stay in your seat. As I say to you, it's not measured by your feet. It's measured by your heart. I'm confessing to you right now that I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me. What it is, I'll keep that between me and Him. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray right now as we, we can leave. And, and, and we're going to lower the lights. We're going to kind of put a light here. Keep enough light so that you can leave. Um, once I pray, the service is over with. You can stay and pray as long as you want to. You can come forward here and kneel if you want to. You can stay in your place and pray if you want to. Or you can go. If you have places you have to go, you can go. But it is my deepest prayer for you and for me that we will not any longer 
if you are, be a lukewarm Christian. You'll be a person who is passionate about your faith. Father, would you please just bless this moment. There'll be some people here, Father, I think, that will will ponder this whole thought about whether they're a believer or not. If they're even wondering, Father, please let them put that to rest. This is May the 22nd. It is 11.25 in the morning. Let us, let us put to rest the whole idea of whether I am a Christian or not and, and solidify the fact that we are For the rest of us, Father, for those of us that need to just ask you to forgive us because we've kind of gotten off track somewhat. I pray that you would hear our prayers and, Father, allow us to be passionate, not lukewarm any longer, not indifferent anymore, but just deeply, deeply in love with you. You deserve our first love. And so, Lord, bless us as we go from here, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.